SQL Down Under is a podcast for professionals working in the SQL Server community. SQL Server is a trademark of Microsoft Corporation. Opinions expressed during the podcast are individual opinions and may not reflect the opinions of SQL Down Under or of Microsoft Corporation. Introducing Show 63 with guest Jimmy May. Our guest today is Jimmy May, an old friend from the SQL team. Uh, Jimmy's a principal architect working with SQL and databases. So welcome, Jimmy. Hello, Greg, and uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm, uh, I really appreciate it. Pleasant surprise. Ah, no, it's, it's all lovely. Well, I, w- I wanted to have a show where we did some talking about the clustered column store index technology in SQL Server 2014, and I thought, Jimmy's the man, but... What I get you to do first, which I get everyone to do, is how on earth do you ever come to be involved in SQL Server in the first place? Okay, let's see whether I can make this brief and uh, maybe a little bit entertaining. I was uh, taking a respite to the left coast. Uh, let's, let's refer to that period as my misspent youth. Came back mm-hmm. with my tail between my legs, started working in a hospital doing some miscellaneous work. Uh, the department was run on paperwork. This was a time of Windows 3.1. I thought we could do better. And I would enter stuff into a spreadsheet. The uh, computer with this, with the Excel was busy, so I found another computer, and it had something called Access on it. And mm-hmm. I saw these grids, and I said, well, that looks like a spreadsheet. I bet I can make this work. Next thing you know, I'm taking the Access 2.0 hard copy user's guide to bed with me every night, and it ended up uh, dog-eared and bookmarked and highlighted, and uh, I was an, became an Access geek. So the transition mm-hmm. to databases was serendipitous, as was. Uh, my uh, my falling into the SQL Server world. I'd had a I was getting full time work and I applied for a new job and uh, walked into this financial institution, small startup, and uh, they showed me this thing called SQL Server and I said, "Where is the UI? Uh, I don't get it." Mm. But I could spell SQL and I could pronounce it, and uh, they hired me. Awesome. And uh, before you know it, I was um, leading the help desk team, and uh, the next thing you know. Um, I got a job offer at, as, to become a, with one certification under my belt, to become a full-time DBA, senior in a list, at another startup. Mm-hmm. And th- these were the times when, uh, again, you could spell SQL and pronounce it, and you were hired. Yeah. So it was a great leap. And the rest is history. Awesome. And so where I first got to see you in person, of course, was as part of the master's program. So, And so he's also one of the... Uh, uh, the MCMs, uh, the, uh, the the bunch that will not grow anymore in the future. So uh, that's awesome as well. Yeah. And so listen, so, so Jimmy, so look, one of the things I, I wanted to talk about was the clustered column store details. Now, whenever I look at the marketing materials for SQL Server 2014, it, it, it almost seems to barely rate a mention, yet I have this feeling like it's one of the best things in the box. And so... Uh, I'm just interested in your take on it, and maybe we could start in sort of where has this come from and where are we heading? Uh, Greg, I could talk about this for quite a while. Uh, You and I share a – we're very aligned with regard to the 
disparity between the marketeering team's approach, bless their hearts, and uh, versus reality. It is, in fact, in my opinion, one of the greatest features in 2014, um, mm-hmm. uh, vastly improved over 2012, and which, by the way, uh, though there were room for improvement, it really was a game changer. Column Store was a game changer uh, for many, many applications. In, in 2014, with the improvements to the optimizer and the fact that it's writable, though I'll uh, expand upon this later for those who want to hear, the fact that Column Store is writable in 2014 is not the big deal. By far, the most important improvement to Column Store in 2014 is the, are the enhancements to the optimizer. Uh, things just work better. Hmm. Um, yeah, certainly one of the biggest challenges I found with 2012 was it was a hassle getting queries into batch mode yes. in particular. Yes, correct. But I suppose maybe we should start just with column stores. So okay. if we start for those that haven't really looked at them, uh, because a lot of people looked and they went, oh, that's not updatable, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. So what is a column store? Why does it matter? Ah, well, column store is a relatively new term. Uh, we've had the row store for quite a while on SQL Server. SQL Server has historically, uh, especially with the days, the days of SQL 7, 2005, done a great job. If you needed to access just a few rows or even a single row and you were properly indexed, SQL Server has done a superlative job. But we've never had a good answer to, uh, and you know, especially as databases have gotten bigger, millions, billions of rows, we've never had a good answer for returning our result sets that required access to large numbers of rows, hundreds of millions, hmm. even millions, for example, and uh, much less billions, until Column Store. Um, Column Store was an answer to that. Uh, we weren't first to the to the block, though. We weren't first to the party. We the, our competitors have had a Column Store, uh, a feature called Column Store for quite a while. Would you like mm-hmm. for me to talk a little bit more about the competition and why yeah, you have but, it or uh, I suppose, what it is? Yeah, partially. I must admit, the first I saw of it, uh, in documentation actually goes back probably even into the 1960s. So it's the, the sort of concepts have been around, but yeah, the, the earlier implementations of it in database products, yeah, is interesting. The one with which I'm most familiar is uh, Sybase. I had a customer, I used to be a member of the customer advisory team, SQL Cat, under Mark Souza. I ran the lab. Boy, what a ride that was for two and a half years. Mm. Um, I had a customer come in who wanted, uh, they had one Sybase implementation and it was running their flagship product. And they wanted to be, just be a SQL Server shop, uh, not only for the uh, homogeneity of the product, uh, mm. but also for licensing costs. Apparently, Sybase costs even more than uh, SQL Server licenses. Um, yeah. But we didn't have an answer. So uh, we brought these people in under 2012 uh, uh, pre-RTM. You may remember Denali. Indeed. And uh, we got Column Store to work for them. It was a great thing. They went to production with uh, always on pre-production bits pre-RTM bits of Column Store and Always On. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, we did Look, I, I, suppose right. the, to, uh, I suppose the the thing I get at, um, I, I look at the sort of trends in the industry, and if, if I look at where I see it in the past, I see systems had a, a bit of CPU, they had relatively small amounts of memory, and everything sort of lived out on disk. And the, the problem was... Given that, you're always trying to work out how to get things on and off that disk as, as quickly as possible. But I see it as almost like a, a new way of doing things is to sort of compress the data down as far as you possibly can. Yes. Then all of a sudden, gigantic amounts of it fit in memory. And I, I think the thing that people often don't get is just how compressed that data is. Well, Column Store, uh, we haven't talked about internals yet, but uh, mm. by, de- by its very definition, you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to 
maybe figure out how that's contrasted with a Rose Store. Uh, so let me talk about that for just a second, for those who may not know, and then mm. we'll talk about compression for another moment to answer your question. Um, a SQL Server data page, when it holds a, a classic data page, conventional table data page, row store, contains a variety of values. All the columns in the table will be represented on a data page, and as many rows for that table will fit on that page. Uh, and you're familiar, of course, with, uh, with uh, row compression and, and page compression. And page compression, depending on the data, can be fairly robust, uh, up to double or so the, um, the non-compressed um, uh, amount of data. Yeah, in fact, the size, uh, the the site I was at this week, actually, even page compression, uh, was down literally to about a quarter of the size of the original uh, data, and that was yeah. on a sizable database. Not, yeah. not bad. Uh, mm. Column store, on the other hand, because of the way column store stores data, instead of rows, entire all, the entire row of a table being stored on the data page, column store data pages contain values for only a single given row. And, and uh, so the data is far more homogenous. You're going to have nothing but dates, for example, or nothing but names, for example, or nothing but addresses, for example, or nothing but sales, uh, for example, or other kinds of events. And that data tends to be far more homogenous and far more compressible. And yeah, so if you look down a column in a typical table, you, you often see a high degree of commonality. So, yeah, just storing all the data from a particular column is great. And that lends itself to incredible compression, uh, Ten times or more is, is quite common. Mm-hmm. And also, Columns for 2014 has an archival bit you can flip, which adds another 30% uh, compression. And that, that's for the kind of data you don't access nearly as frequently, mm-hmm. historical data, etc. Yep, indeed. Uh, from what I could see, uh, basically, just after it forms the sort of the row groups in memory, it seems to apply like a zip uh, type algorithm or something to, uh, but that really affects the storage more than anything else, doesn't it? Yes. And so, yeah, and so it's still the same thing when it's actually in memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so by, by with, when there's fewer bits to read from disk, which is historically the bottleneck, even in this day of uh, SSD, um, we, we can read, put more data into the buffer pool uh, far more quickly. And combine that with SQL Server's historically aggressive read-ahead algorithm, it's always been good, but uh, in, mm. and especially in, in warehousing data where you're likely to read contiguous, contiguous data, um, column store anticipates. I mean, by definition, you're accessing a whole bunch of rows, and uh, yeah. theoretically contiguously. And uh, so by definition, it's a, the read-ahead algorithm can be very, very efficient, anticipating what the user wants to, to uh, respond to a query and getting that into the buffer cache well before it's actually, and, and that compressed, well before it's actually, actually needed. Yep, indeed. And so I, I think I see it as a large part of this is the more of that, the, the rows that you can compress and fit in memory, the more you can do via brute force uh, with CPU operations rather than having to do all sorts of tricky indexing and things. Yes, but, you know, it, you know the, the casual listener may suspect that you have set me up with this question. In fact, uh-huh. we have not discussed this in detail. Uh, are you familiar with, with the, vec- the vector processing mode that uh, column store leverages? Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of manipulating, first of all, you know about match mode, which you mentioned. By definition, the column store likes to grab 1,000 rows at a time. But those are manipulated. Those are manipulated in the, in the L1 cache. Why, uh, a million rows at a time? Or no, a thousand? no, a thousand rows at a time. Oh. If I said a million, okay. excuse me. Uh, mm-hmm. the, ro- the column store is created a million rows at a time. But, yeah. but, okay. but and in batch mode, a thousand rows are fetched at a time. 
Uh, and right. those rows are manipulated in the CPU, not value by value, but by but by pointers to the thousand rows. It's basically, uh, I'm sure we've all taken algebra, even calculus. Remember arithmetic substitution? Well, mm-hmm. that's what that's what the column store engine does. It, uh, it takes a, a very small pointer that represents the values for these thousand rows and manip- manipulates them in the L1 cache. Lends itself to fantastic performance improvement over over classic row store kind of kinds of manipulations. It's just one. Yep. So we have compression we've talked about, which is enhanced relative to conventional uh, SQL Server table compression. And we've also talked about this batch mode, grabbing a thousand rows at a time by definition and manipulating those rows via a pointer in the in the L1 cache. Ideas on how how compressed it would be? Uh, based on studies I've seen, ten times or more. And again, the archi- I mentioned the archival bit a little while ago, mm-hmm. and uh, that adds an extra thirty percent. We actually the deck that I I present. I've been doing this for a couple of years now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, let me digress for just a second. I um, at the time we you were I was in MCM training with you as one of the instructors. Um, mm-hmm. The disk partition alignment paper was coming out, but those uh. Those clever folks on the Windows team remedied the problem for which disk partition alignment was necessary, and so yep. I needed to find another trick, another because uh, <laughs> um, that, that pony that pony is getting old, and I, I chose Column Store, and so I've been uh, working on this good. for a couple of years, and uh, uh, so we have a uh, the one of the one of the slides in the deck that I present, typically present has a graph where we look at a uncompressed table with indexes which is not realistic because everybody uses compression now, right? But we have a, a warehouse table with compression and indexes, and uh, then we, we compare that to uh, uh, that table with a non-cluster column store index, and then with a non-clustered, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, just a clustered column store index. Mm-hmm. And the differences are quite huge. Uh, so, we're, again, we're talking about a factor of 10 in terms of savings. Uh, for, yeah. for a table and non-clustered indexes, even compressed, versus... Um, cluster column store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, I'd, I'd love to say everybody's using compression, but that, that's uh, that really isn't what I'm seeing still well, at the moment. In fact, even the large, I was at a large financial uh, this week, and I mean, again, yeah, at the moment they hadn't hadn't been using that. Yeah. I I think there is this perception in the industry where people just because of previous history with uh, disk compression techniques mm-hmm. and things, I think people think. Compression, they think smaller and slower, but they're, they're not getting that most of the time it's smaller and faster. Yes, so. yes. and that's part of it. Plus, there's the institutional resistance to change. Uh, mm. People think they're going to upgrade to the latest and greatest version someday, and that way to then the, the maintenance window that might be required for some, for some things. A, ver- a variety of reasons contribute to um, uh, the non-implementation of, mm. of, of compression and other features yeah. for that matter. And by the way, when I said that uh, uh, everybody uses compression – just for the record, that was half tongue in cheek. Yes, okay. <laughs> indeed. And look, and the other other one, of course, is that uh, for the compression as well as it was also in Enterprise Edition as well at the ah. time. Not, not standard, and again, there's a large number of people run standard as well. Good point. And uh, you know, that's a uh, challenge with uh, many of the features that uh, people would love to start implementing, and it's really too bad. And this is the marketeering decision. Also, I am mm. not going to quibble with that because they're, uh, you know, I'm not mm. the person who crunches the numbers. And it may make a lot of sense. I will quibble with yeah. some decisions. I won't necessarily quibble with that. But wouldn't it be great if uh, startup databases, departmental-sized databases, PLCs, etc., had access to the enterprise features, perhaps hobbled, perhaps uh, limited in some way, but uh, get those features into the application from the ground up? 
so that when they yeah. do grow, they're enterprise ready, as opposed to a whole new development oh, effort. Completely agree. In fact, uh, one of the things that may be different about what I do is I spend a lot of time in software houses, mm-hmm. and because they build their applications in a way that uh, they don't want to require their customers to have to have enterprise edition. Mm-hmm. Um, they can. They want to work with either edition. In fact, any feature that's enterprise only, they don't. They ignore. True. It's as though it's not even in the product. And tragic. Th- and that's a tragedy because SQL Server actually then doesn't compare all that well uh, with with a lot of other products if you exclude all the enterprise features. Um, the other the other noise I hear from people is that uh, they wish it had the same T-SQL surface. So, you know, rather than Ooh. something that when you run it on standard goes bang. What would be better is if you had, you know, uh, some statement that said, "Hey, I'd like this level of aggression of compression or something," but, but maybe, for example, it just doesn't actually do it un- uh, much under the covers or something like that. But, but the actual command would still not not explode, you know. Um, so, so you could actually have a single code base. Once again, Greg, we're aligned. And again, to the casual mm. listener, this was not planned. <laughs> this is yes, indeed. <laughs> Yeah, so I think yeah. So one of the challenges is, is certainly been the uh, the standard edition things there, but yeah. So as we were saying, the uh, the compression thing I, I think has been a good story all the way along, and I think um, I suppose one of the the downsides of the 2012 iteration was that when we built a a non-clustered column store index and attached it to a table, a the table became read only, and so it became yes. messy to do updates. But the other problem is that you still had to have the original copy of the data as well. So, so the, uh, in terms of percentages, if it was 10% of the size, you still had 110% uh, of, of the original size. Right, and that's a function of the, the fact that in 2012, column store indexes were not only read-only, but also they were non-clustered indexes. They relied on the underlying mm-hmm. B-tree, clustered index or heap, uh, conventional clustered index or heap, in order, yep. in order to exist. That changed mm. in 2014, as you know. Yeah. Indeed, with, with 2012, so for the people that are still there with that, what approaches, what's been your experience on approaches for then achieving updates? Uh, I, I tend to have seen a few different ways people to try it, but what have you seen works or doesn't work? Well, uh, it works great if, you're, if, you have imp- if you have implemented a classic partitioning index strategy and you don't need real-time data or you're, you're, uh, mm-hmm. you're switching things in during your some maintenance period, whether it's every hour, every every night, for example, and you have to, yep. and you're able to take that schema mod lock uh, and just switch it in using classic table partitioning, easy peasy, mm-hmm. and that works great for just a, a lot of applications. People are comfortable yep. with partitioning; it's been around for almost a decade now. And uh, we're talking typically warehouses, right, where partitioning is classically yeah. used, and you don't and typically don't need real time updates for those applications which do require real-time updates, uh, the way we worked around it in 2012. It was called trickle-loading, but trickle, mm-hmm. trickle-loading. But basically, it was just a very simple, um, um, just a very simple difference with regard to classic table partitioning. You had, a, you had your historical table that's, mm-hmm. got, that's got a non-cluster column store on it. And then yep. that's read-only, of course, by definition. Then you have a table that matches the schema almost exactly to that, except you don't have your non-cluster column store, and y- yep. and you're writing your real-time data, your in, into that into that. Let's call it a, the equivalent of a staging table, but it's really mm-hmm. your contemporaneous data. And you just yep. you just define a view over the historical data over the with top. the column store. Yep. 
uh, versus the and 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 the uh, the real time data. And when it's time to switch in uh, you, during your maintenance window, you apply the non cluster column store to the real time data, switch it in, boom, and then create a new staging table. Or the, yeah. And it's and the beautiful thing is for the reports, which are typically on the historical stuff, you you actually have the uh, the column store in place for those. Absolutely, you, you target the, the table directly instead of the view. Hmm. If you chose to. Yeah, I, I found that seems to work pretty well. And the other one you were saying with the petitioning, yeah, there was a few tricks with that. It's more admin, but it was, yeah, you'd take the current petition, switch it out, update it, put the column store index back on it, and, and then switch it back in. And, and I found that worked pretty well. The the thing that was, I think, also good with that in 2012, uh, and I think it was also a hot fix for 2008 R2, but was the increase in the number of petitions so that, again, ah. the size of those petitions could be much smaller as well. Absolutely, absolutely. We have some uh, uh, in, in the – I've collected a variety of success stories, and many of them, because 2014 is so new, many of these success stories were based on 2012. And there are some incredible mm-hmm. performance enhancements. I'm actually doing a blog, sort of blog series. I try to get one out there at least once a week. I've done my second one already where I'm documenting yeah. these successes. Um, and they're just, it's just phenomenal. It's just phenomenal the way Column Store changes the way we interact with our data. Uh, when, when it works and works right, it's incredible. You take you have queries that take up to minutes. There's quotes supposedly real time that now take seconds or subsecond mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. It's truly remarkable. And now I may sound like a marketeer, but believe me, <laughs> I'm just a fan. I'm just passionate about the product. The feature works. Yeah. It's incredible. In my opinion. And so, look, the, the most common scenarios we're using this are in star schema Ab- structures. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, column store queries, type queries are optimized, or, or column store is written to take advantage of star schema queries. Classic classic warehouse queries. Nothing uh, shouldn't, be, shouldn't be much of a surprise. Yeah. Right? Now, the other thing is that uh, the join performance on those, uh, again, I'm... Uh, my presumption has always been that integer-based keys are going to provide the best join performance for that as well. That is absolutely correct, and that's a that's a uh, a gotcha. It was it was a bigger deal in 2012, but don't think that's been remedied in 2014. The the mm-hmm. the optimizer just does a much better job when you're joining on integer keys. In fact, I mentioned earlier the um, uh, the applet the uh, application that I brought into the lab where we implemented column mm-hmm. store successfully along with always on. It happened to be a uh, uh, some of you may, listening may know Shari Hashimi at DSFNet. He was the lead developer for that implementation. Uh, they had to go through their database because all of their joins were on character data. And to get things to work, they had to refactor it, add integer keys. And uh, once we did that, we were off to the races. Things were like, yeah. Heck. Okay. Yeah, I, I find the performance of those. Is, and look, the thing is, I suppose, maybe people don't even stop and think about it, but uh, I mean, comparing two numbers for a system is really, really easy, but I think people underestimate how much complexity is involved in comparing two characters. It's, uh, uh, unless the thing is, you know, straight binary, which it usually isn't, oh, of course not. Um, in the collation, then, then there's sophisticated rules that got to be applied yeah. Yeah, every time you do every calculation. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. Yeah. And just for the record, let me also add, uh, creating warehouses on integer keys with surrogate keys if, if you don't have a natural key. That's been a best practice for a long time. That's nothing new. Yeah. So if you design your databases, quote, correctly, um, um, architect them, quote, properly, uh, they already have the integers that they need to, on which to join. Mm. One, one that did surprise me in 2012, uh, it, given the fact that it was an add-on as a non-clustered index, was the, the fact that we couldn't have a filtered index. Um, 
because again, I have lots of scenarios where I actually love filtered indexes. Um, I mean, the implementation doesn't seem complete, but in the case of the uh, non-clustered column stores, um, my recollection was that was one that we couldn't do filtered indexes anyway. That's correct. There are and so have you been using filtered indexes much in, in general? Not a lot. Uh, even though I'm in MSIT where one might think we're doing cutting-edge stuff, uh, hmm. we're, we're not necessarily ahead of the curve, only on selected projects. Mm. And so it's not something I get to work with nearly as much as I would like. Yeah. To me, the, the ones that I find it, it has the biggest impact on are things around uh, – some. I mean, some are where they've got like a character status and it's you know, one specific value in a small number of rows. But, yeah, these sort of highly selective scenarios. Uh, a common one for me is where people have bit columns. And uh, there's lots and lots of old material used to say, oh, it's pointless indexing bits. But they were oh, always no. – and I was always thinking, oh, that's tragic advice. And uh, and the beautiful thing is that you know, if I have a, a thing that says is finalized or something and I have a handful of rows that aren't finalized and you know hundreds of millions of rows that are finalized, I'd never, ever want to use the index to look up the, the finalized ones, but I'd sure want an index to find those few that weren't. You betcha. And, yeah, and the idea of being able to build an index with a where clause that just had those in it is... is uh, is wickedly cool, and so yeah, it just that was one another limitation that sort of struck me as a little odd. Um, and the other, actually, one with filtered indexes itself uh, that surprised me is that you can't build them on a computed persisted column either. Um, and for the life of me, I can't think of why why they disallowed that. Um, I, I I suspect that was a mistake. Actually, I mean, a, a computed column I kind of get, but a persisted one. Uh, it, you know, it seems really, really peculiar that you can't sort of build a filtered index on it. So. Greg, I am with you on that one uh, he, uh, on, on both counts. Why not? I, we can mm. we get why it, it might not work on a non-persistent column? Because yep. But why not the persistent column? I, uh, yeah, because it's actually already got the data. Yeah. yeah so, uh, and I, it's stored. It's, it's, it's stored as far as I know, uh, quite identically to a uh, yeah, exactly uh, conventional column. Uh, oh, while we're on those things, uh, what about data type support? That was another. Oh. Thing that was an issue. Yeah. Oh, good, good point. I had that on my list to bring up if we didn't to the end. Mm. Um, data type support in 2012 was fairly complete, fairly robust, but it's in 2014, it's everything but a blob. Mm. And uh, of course, you're not going to be adding a column store to an XML or a CLR or et cetera, et cetera or Invar Car yep. Max anyway. Yeah. So when you're saying a blob, you're including SQL CLR types and things like that. Yes. In that really yes. As well. Yeah. What we used to call text data, Invar Car Max, yep. uh, XML, et cetera. Mm. But all conventional data types are uh, are compatible with Column Store. Uh, so the engine the engine team, uh, the dev team, with regard to their improvements to Column Store in 2014, in general. Uh, have done a, in general, they've done a great job in 2014, and specifically with regard to 20, with Column Store, they've done an extraordinary job in enhancing the feature. I'm very, very mm. impressed. And, uh, and uh, you may know, you know, we're all in for the cloud, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of our dev resources are devoted to the cloud, yet there are still some pieces of the engine that we're spending time on, spending resources on, and Column Store is one of those features, so I'm happy to say. Yeah. No, that, that yeah, that it's actually been a, yeah, I think a, an amazingly good story. Mm -hmm. And so, before now, I'm going to get you to head into 2014 territory. But yeah. before we do, um, I, I just have to let people know that uh, Jimmy is one of our heroes in in real life. Uh, uh, one of one of the big <laughs> things uh, is he's just become this super fit person over the last few years. And uh, I just encourage people to go and look at look for pictures. And uh, so, just I, I just love you to share for a minute just the 
you, the thinking or the mindset that's required to do that uh, oh. because your transformation has been astonishing. Well, Greg, thank you, thank you very much. That's really great. It has, actually is pretty exciting. Um, I uh, historically have been off, fit off and on throughout my youth and adult life, but the last few years, especially since getting my job at Microsoft, I was well over an eighth of a ton uh, for most of that most of my tenure, and it was pretty darn frustrating. Um, mm. And uh, you know, there's an expression: uh, get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yep. there's an incredible program here locally available to uh, us in Redmond uh, at, the lo- at a local health club called the Pro Club, where it's a medical mm-hmm. program uh, combining uh, uh, physical physical therapy, um, um, dietitian, medical supervision, as well as intense intense uh, training. And I lost 85 mm. pounds. And haven't looked back, mm. baby. It's been two years now. It's the first so, time. So, re- repeat that number. How much was that? Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Wow. And uh, so it's great. I can run again. Did a half marathon, my uh, first half marathon in about twenty years recently. And I'm, I've gotten a passion for skiing. And when I lose my skis, I can actually bend over and put them back on myself, uh, yeah. etc. Uh, I'm learning to do handstands. Uh, it's, it's really just an exciting. Everything in life is different. Hmm. It's a, just a, well, as I said, uh, all of us have been on the background yeah. cheering because it, it is uh, it has been a stunning transformation and yeah, yeah. something you should be very proud of. Well, yeah, well, so. well thank you. I mean, I have a yoga practice now, and as you know, since you're a Facebook friend, I am shameless about mm. posting latest and greatest photos. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's a lot of fun, and the fact that you are sharing this with me, Greg, that thank you. It's nice to know that I've inspired at least one individual with Oh yes, that I respect more than one. I'd say That's it's great. Nice, thank you. But listen, so. Into 2014, oh, I suppose one thing before we do, uh, are there any other hobbies or anything you have outside? Well, I mentioned skiing. I have a passion for skiing. Mm -hmm. I have a yoga practice. Um, Those are my big things. Most things related to mountain biking, things related to physical fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very, very excited, very passionate passionate about those things. And in fact, Magic. in fact, we have a uh, house back in Indianapolis we haven't sold yet after all Mm three years. But after taking my skis back to Indiana and trying the, quote, slopes there, uh, mm-hmm. there's just no way. So uh, yep. I'm, uh, I've gotten the ski bug, and I'm stuck out here on the beautiful uh, north-left coast. Yeah, we've had uh, an unseasonally warm, again, uh, sort of weather locally, and I noticed on the news this morning the, our local ski resort's all running snow machines and things at the moment and uh, oh. trying to top things up. So, yeah, it's, it's actually been a bit warmer than normal, but uh, anyway. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping uh, when I uh, re- retire young and wealthy, or at least wealthy, I'll, I'll <laughs> do some, somewhat what I would call summertime skiing because it's the equivalent of December down there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, come and visit. Come and visit. It's a deal. So listen. Um, so in 2014, look, I suppose the 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 big thing. So first up, clustered. So we don't need to also have another copy of the table. So this can be the primary copy of the table. Correct. Uh, and so that in itself is a huge thing because the the disk space savings and so on are, are staggering. Really, uh, because the number of places I go into where. You know, when people put in their sands and things in the first place, it's going to be the saviour of everything. Uh, and yet what they end up doing is endlessly arguing over what fits in space and so oh, on from, from that point on. It's amazing to me. I remember the uh, mantra going around, disk space is cheap a few years ago. And it's not. Disk mm. space is not cheap. And uh, what, what worse way for a DBA to spend their time than slinging bits around just, yeah. just to accommodate scarcity of space? It's a little, nope. little bit crazy, not a good use of time. Indeed. And so 
So that's a huge one, just on its own, the fact that, that we don't need that uh, separately. Are there any real restrictions on the design of the table much, uh, if it's going to be a clustered column store? Well, it cannot contain a non-compatible data type, which in 2014 mm-hmm. would mean a blob-type data type, the XML, the CLR, yep. et cetera, uh, spatial, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you, you exclude that, and if you need those in your data set, just uh, vertically partition that into a separate table. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, something to be aware of, and, uh, you may, I may be jumping the gun here for you, but because the cluster column store is not a binary structure on which, which is some, a structure on which constraints depend, because constraints, of course, mm-hmm. are, of course, are enforced under the covers with a, with an yep. index, um, you can't have a unique constraint, you can't have a foreign key constraint, uh, defined on a cluster column store. Mm. So that is a trade-off, basically, of performance and space against some consistency. Uh, really? Correct. Correct. Mm. At least an assurance indeed. of consistency. There may be other ways to find yeah. it, right? Yep, indeed. Okay. No, that's good. That, that's good. And so that's the first one. And, of course, uh, as you said, the the second one that you don't think is as big a deal is the updatable nature of it, although I'd argue... Uh, even though the performance of that uh, doesn't seem sort of stunning, uh, the, uh, for a lot of people, the ability to do anything in that regard is a big deal. Well, I'm not, I won't say it's not a big deal. I just want to put into perspective mm-hmm. that the enhancements to the optimizer are the really big deal. Yeah. Okay. And the updatable thing is cool and allows us to avoid having to jump through hoops for those applications who need real-time updates. And, mm-hmm. and goodness forbid, you have an ad hoc update just to flip a bit or something uh, down in your historical data, and you've got to, you would have to switch out the part. In 2012, you'd have to switch out the partition, delete the column store, uh, index, flip the bit, recreate the column store, and switch it back in. And you no longer have yeah. to do that. The challenge, the challenge with the writable column store, uh, is that people aren't uh, people who don't know about the potential performance impacts are, are uh, trading with 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 fire. Or that, that, yeah. Sorry, that's a mixed metaphor. Yeah, it? certainly. If, if you expect on your gigantic yeah. table to go in there and go update, you know, yeah. some column on the whole table, you're not going to be a happy soul. Not only in... But then, yes, exactly. Uh, but what, mm. what happens more, more routinely is that people are inserting 1,000 rows or 100,000 rows or something, maybe some big batch, uh, and yep. they're not using bulk insert, which, by the way, is uh, fully supported by, by column store. But they're, uh, you know, throwing a thousand rows at a time. In fact, let me just cut to the chase and characterize a case study that you'll be hearing about soon on my blog. It's also yep. in my deck. Um, at a uh, uh, customer at MSIT implementing Hecaton and Column Store. And by the way, Column Store is orthogonal to most other features. It, it just works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what else you're doing. And of course, Hecaton is a, is a, is for OLTP kinds of data. Yep. This is a different piece of the application. The database also had a, a column store table that happened to be joined to each other. And, uh, the query performance initially was wonderful on this, uh, this query. They initiated the column store and, uh, query performance went to some wonderful time. I forget the, you know, a couple minutes or something like that. And then they started updating the column as part of their routine process. They would throw in a thousand rows at a time, a thousand rows at a time. And over the course of a few days, what used to be this really fantastic, great running query degraded, and it was taking over an hour. Uh, The problem was these thousand rows at a time are going into what is called the Delta Store, uh, Mm -hmm. which is the feature of of writable column store to host rows that aren't yet eligible for compression into a full-blown column store format. And what mm-hmm. do I mean by not eligible? Well, the threshold is a million rows. You've got to have a million rows yep. in the Delta store in order for the engine to 
uh, flip the bit to say, oh, got enough rows, let's make it, let's transmogrify these million rows into a column store object. And uh, mm-hmm. between the time that you're inserting an arbitrary number of rows and you hit that trigger, you're not going to get column store performance when you're hitting that yep. data. And for those ap- people who are administering applications or developing applications who aren't aware of that, it's 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 just a landmine. You're going to run into it, and people are going to sc- scream a SQL Server, and really it's a matter of education. And I really think it's up to us, us here at, at Microsoft, mm. uh, people such as you, experts in the field, to be keenly aware of this potential pitfall. Just to be aware of it. It's not, it's not a bug. Mm. It's just the way the product works, and you need yeah. to know how it works in order to leverage it effectively. No, quite agree. And the and so basically, from what I've seen, they seem to have a bitmap uh, associated with all the existing rows, which where they can just sort of turn it off to say this row effectively is no longer here, and then they just have a delta store added on the end. Mm-hmm. Where so if you update a row, they just sort of turn off the original row and then add the new row in the end. Correct. And an update deletes is uh, the equivalent of a deletion and an and, and an insert. Uh, yep. That probably yep. won't surprise you. So you get the delete, the row flipped, the bit flipped as a delete, yep. and you get the new data in the Delta store. Hmm. Okay. Cool. And so, okay, so we get the update. And so the other big challenge we talked about is that in 2012, uh, getting into the batch mode where it was doing the vector-based operations, that was very, very tricky to do. And, in fact, I remember there was a white paper, I think, from SQL Cat team uh, that talked about, you know, here's things you might need to do to your query to try and encourage it to get into that mode. Yeah, um, yeah, and there were things like we talked about uh, the character joins. Uh, you had to avoid certain kinds of unions, uh, left joins, uh, anything that spilled a disk, uh, huge problems. Yeah. Okay. And so I noticed that when they listed the things that are supported in the 2014 one, it was things like all the join types, so... Uh, outer joins, not ins, ins, uh, union, uh, union all, uh, in amongst there. Uh, we had uh, various types of aggregates yes. and so on. And so all of these things now just uh, much more easily you write the query and they just work. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's, just, it's the power of the platform. As, I'm sorry, another marketeering term. Is that, that's, what they do. That's, what they, yeah. uh, that's how they say it. And in this case, I absolutely agree with it. You write... You create your cluster column store, you write, you write your queries, and usually it just flipping works, and when it does work, it is like magic. Uh, oh, by mm-hmm. the way, something that didn't work in also in 2012 were uh, uh, large, not just complex joins or uh, um, and the other structures that you suggested, but also if you had too many tables, sometimes as few as seven or eight tables, mm-hmm. and the optimizer would say, nah, I'm going to row mode. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, indeed. Do you, it's a, um, I suppose one of the other little challenges, just as a by-the-way thing, I've always been intrigued, the optimizer too, because that all sits above the storage engine, I've often wondered if it's a problem that it doesn't have more visibility on what's going on in the storage engine. So uh, so I'm, I'm sort of wondering, like, I mean, if it had to pick between two indexes and one's compressed and the other's not, I'm just wondering, like, from what I've seen, that sort of info is not available to the, to the uh, optimizer. Well, being, not being a developer of C++ mm. myself, I can't speak to that uh, specifically. But, yeah, but, but I think it's just they've gone with a fairly clean separation of those things yeah. in the initial design. And, again, uh, it's the sort of thing that might over time change. Yeah, so. but, you know, it's easy, to, it's easy to defend that in terms of rapid development mm. and, uh, yep. and uh, the uh, regression algorithm uh, for testing, et cetera. Yeah. 
as well as community resources such as this podcast. SQL Down Under offer mentoring services and both private and public training options. If you need to get your project back on track or if you need to get it off to a good start, why not give us a call? We have also recently introduced a series of online courses available in both Asia-Pacific and US-UK time zones. In particular, the first course that's offered in this series is Query Performance Tuning. You'll find details at www.sqldownunder.com. That's good. And so the idea was that so we said we with a column store, we break all the columns uh, apart we into separate uh, things that are going to get stored. We basically break those into a million rows at a time, and so we have a million values from a column as a segment. Mm-hmm. We then get all the segments that used to go together in the same row, and that makes a row group. And then the archival bit is the other thing that was different in 2014. So this applies, it looks like another lot of compression over the top of that again yeah. when that, that group is written to disk. But that doesn't affect the in-memory structures. No, not at all. Um, I'd like to, can I reiterate, the, you talked about the yeah. process of creating a column store. And I think it bears, worth, it bears repeating because it's so fundamentally simple, at least on a high level. Mm. So you, you issue the create column store index statement, and uh, you're looking at a, a warehouse table when you do that. And the first thing the engine does is it grabs the first million rows, and that, that forms your row group. That's just a fundamental, simple, horizontal partition, arbitrarily done yep. in a million rows. And uh, then the second step is it vertically partitions the table into its constituent columns. And each of those columns within a row group, as you said, uh, correspond to what is called a segment. And that, by the way, the, for any given column in any given row group, that's the unit of work. When you need a value from, from that segment, it's loaded in, into memory. Um, yeah. And uh, then the third thing that's done, so you've got your horizontal partitioning into row groups, your vertical partitioning into into via column into segments, and uh, you got your third thing, and that's the compression and encoding. And boom, mm. you've got your column store index. So at a, at a yeah. high level, it's fundamentally simple. Mm. One thing I've often wondered about, um, which I don't know if you're a territory or not, but you'd sort of think when they look at that table in the first place and they say, I'm going to grab this and break it into 1,000-row chunks. So I sort of wonder if they, million, if they have any smarts at... Oh, sorry, into million-row chunks. I'm, I'm sort of wondering if they have any smarts about deciding the order of the rows that that's done in. Now, this is an area that's rife for my investigation. Uh, yeah. I've, been, I've been pinged to be the primary author for the Comstar white paper that I'm going to, we're going to start writing next quarter. Mm. I'm very excited about it. And there is a... There is a some secret sauce that we need to get out there. For example, mm. uh, I don't know one of the one of the case studies I talk about. One of my colleagues, uh, Roy Tuttle, uh, is on the Watson team. Uh, have you ever yep. have you ever had a blue screen, Greg? Ever? Yes, indeed. Okay. And, and the name is familiar. Yeah. Well, Doctor Watson knows you, and uh, mm. that that table has sixty one billion rows at last count. Sixty one mm. billion, uh, and they had a lot of queries that they used to target uh, that table. With it just never finished. They couldn't do the, get the information they wanted out of this data. Yeah. We they applied a tw- column store. This is 2012. They applied column yep. store on it, and uh, uh, it's classically partitioned, of course. And uh, mm-hmm. now they get answers to problems that they never could before. Queries that used to take an hour take five minutes. Queries used to take yeah. a couple minutes are sub second. It's uh, that's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, mm. It sure is. 
Yeah. Uh, now, what I was getting at, though, is that the order of the rows going ah, in... I'm sorry. Yeah, is the, yeah, there, yeah, there was a segue. whether that has a big effect. There was yep. a segue there. <laughs> uh, thank you for reminding me. The um, uh, Yeah, their, uh, their partitioning key is critical. They experimented a little bit, not with all 61 billion rows, but a subset, of course. Mm. And the partitioning key was critical. Fortunately, it turns out that since column stores is, is by design created for warehouse queries... Uh, and and your warehouse queries are characteristically partitioned on date, and yep. and typically date is part of the, your queries. You're using that for partition elimination. Yes. You're off to the races. So for most mm. implementations, it isn't a problem. However, I have seen where it can be, and I'm you know a focus over the next three six months will be to try to uh, calculate or figure out what that magic sauce is. Awesome. Yeah, because one of the things I, I was something I was planning on experimenting with is uh, I thought what would be very interesting is to have some way. I suppose it could look at uh, the the statistics that are being held for any indexes that are already on the table, and it could look at like density values and things like that to try and decide. You know, hey, if I ordered them this way, I'd end up with something smaller again. You know? Yes, possibly. Um, uh, Again, I don't know the, the internals to that degree yet. Mm. It's going to be very interesting. Something I will learn as part as a function of writing the white paper. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's pretty and exciting. Look, one, one other one uh, I suppose we should talk about is the uh, the T-SQL and things involved in that. It's all pretty much uh, normal sort of indexing stuff. Uh, we have the, the word column store goes in amongst it. Um, I do remember there's an option, though, for... Uh, which was useful for testing that has the ignore non-clustered column store index. Yes, getting up to speed. As an option. Yeah. Mm. One of the reasons I mentioned earlier a couple of years ago I needed a new, new trick, and I chose column store, and not the least of which reason for which was it's just so fundamentally simple, to, uh, straightforward mm. to get up to speed. You can you can look at it at my deck or any uh, – there's a TechNet wiki out there. You can read. It's 15 pages, very consumable, uh, maintained by the product group. Um, and uh, – Read that, read my deck, and you can, you're off to the races in terms of starting your experiments. And sometimes you can yep. change the world overnight. Experiments can be done on your laptop, on a subset of production mm. data, very straightforward. So getting up to speed in terms of the DML and implementation can be very simple. You add, add a keyword, uh, creating the cluster column store. When you create the non-cluster column store, you just add the column store keyword. When you create mm. a clustered column store, you add the column store keyword, and there's no column list because by definition. Yeah, because that's the classic. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. the weird thing yeah. is you just say create. Yeah, and it either can or it can't, depending right. upon the, the structure of the table. Exactly. To enable and or disable. Which data types are there? Yeah. To enable or disable the index, exactly the same as the existing uh, classic syntax. And the yeah. option you refer to is okay, I've got my. Uh, I've got my cluster or my column store index, and I want to check out performance with. Uh, column store versus without the column store, and I simply mm-hmm. add a hint, ignore ignore the index. Yep. And uh, it's a fun demo. It's actually the first demo that I do in my in my presentation. Mm-hmm. Another link I'll put into uh, Nico uh, uh, had a whole series of blog posts um, uh, where he's sort of gone off and done a lot of investigation on the internal structure of these as well, uh, which I found very interesting. But one of the uh, the things that I noticed somewhere in amongst the reading uh, was the idea that the tuple or tuple mover, the thing that actually sort of picks up when the row store delta values mm-hmm. uh, get enough of them, it sort of picks them up and sort of creates them into row groups. Um, but there was also, uh, from memory, it wasn't like at a million rows. It was like a, a hundred thousand rows or something like that. That's for bulk insert. 
Ah, that's where it the value okay. The value is, is different for using a bulk insert. When I say bulk insert, and this is a generic term, of course, I'm mean, talking about mm-hmm. the keyword. So there, yep. that, and that has an interesting ramification in terms of performance. Um, I mentioned the Delta store, and the, it is a million row threshold. And by the way, mm-hmm. if I am incorrect about that, I will, I will let you know, and we can, uh, yep. uh, you can add an addendum to that. Mm-hmm. But for bulk insert, the threshold is 100,000 rows. And uh, it was, so it was bulk insert. Okay, yeah. yeah I yeah. remember there was something around that. Yeah. Yep. There is a, a performance implica- implication, and that is uh, your row groups become smaller. If you have a bulk insert of 90,000 rows, for example, you're yep. subject to that same 1 million row threshold. And mm-hmm. so you've got to have 11, well, I'm sorry, make that t- 12 uh, yep. 90,000 row bulk inserts before the tuple mover says is ready, is ready to re-roll into action. Whereas mm. if you do a 100,000 row bulk insert, it, it initiates it upon insert. It initiates and so what you'll end up with is a lot of smaller segments it, in that case. A lot of smaller yep. row groups, a lot of smaller segments, exactly. Mm-hmm. And look, it is magic the way columns, the way the engine coalesces the data that you ask for. Yep. But the magic has its limitations. And if you have, for example, 10 times as many row groups, even if it's the same number of rows represented, yep. it's going to be less performant. Yeah, it is. And so one of the things you could then in that look out for, I suppose, in that case is then uh, how, how many segments you've got in there that are less than that in, in terms of the size. And there's, there's system views and things in there to show you all of that stuff. Yeah. Hey, and a, uh, a, uh, uh, work, another workaround besides looking at the system views to see if they're mm. fragmented, which, by the way, we, we want to, I want to provide guidelines for what I'm calling fragmentation. Of course, it's different than yep. classic fragmentation. Exactly. But metaphorically, it's the same. By analogy, it's the same. We want, to, mm. we want to put out guidance there. When does it make sense? When do you look at your metadata and say, yo, this threshold is such that we ought to consider rebuilding? And uh, speaking of rebuilding, I mentioned the bulk inserts. If you use 100,000 rows, of course, you're welcome to use 500,000 rows on your bulk inserts to mitigate the issue. Yep. Uh, but what, if you end up, because your application demands 100,000 row inserts and you have a lot of row groups, more than you would necessarily need, just rebuild the, the afflicted partitions. During a maintenance yeah. window, not necessarily the whole table, just the just the partitions that require it. And actually, that's another thing that's actually quite good in uh, with partition tables in SQL 2014 too. Just subtle little things, but the uh, the ability to rebuild a, an individual partition online, online. The table is, is such a good thing. Yeah, it is. It's one of the. Can, can I show for 2014 uh, outside of Commodore mm-hmm. for a second? There are <laughs> a lot of great new features that just aren't being told. One of, yeah. the, one of them is the online single partition rebuild. It's, it is a DBA's yes. dream. It, 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 that is a game changer for a lot of people Absolutely. as well. And uh, uh, the other one, too, even in amongst that, is the uh, the handling of the lock priority when you're doing yes. the switching and so on. Yeah, the, the, These are all subtle little things, but, yeah, they, oh. they don't make it onto the brochures so much. Greg, but, yeah. subtle, subtle, my formerly fat <laughs> R's. It is yeah. important. To, you know, partitioning was, was uh, billed as an online... Um, Always on kind of feature, and you know it's helpful, okay. But for those of us with 24-hour apps, if we're a hotel or an airline, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 24-hour business online, forget it, man. We're not going to do a partition switch outside of a, a maintenance window. Uh, yep. But because of the lock prior, prior, prioritization, the new lock prioritization available in 2014, and it's easy to implement. No big yeah. changes. You don't have to rebuild anything. You just you just decide what parameters you want, and uh, and uh, that and your that. The bit that is, or the thread that is, is a uh, that has that stopping you or blocking yeah, you, yeah. The, 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 or the thread that you're trying to switch partitions with just mm. waits. It like lurks, lurks, lurks in, in the corner, waiting for an opportunity to to mm. grab a schema lock. 
and just cuts yeah. into the queue and grabs it without without blocking and queuing up everything behind it. It's a wonderful yeah. new feature. I, I, I thought it was a wickedly nice uh, new thing. Actually, um, I suppose one of the questions, uh, too, in terms of when you uh, you mentioned before rebuild uh, to clean things up, and I suppose the effect of reorg, uh, reorganize uh, on the clustered column stores, um, I, I, it was, is it right by recollection? I, I recall it does something like it runs the tuple mover or the tuple mover or something like that. Uh, yes, again, that's a, it's an area for which I have not investigated. Mm. Most of my work, unfortunately, is in 2012. Uh, yep. I've got pretty extensive experience. And the newer and newer improved things, the subtle new improved things, I've not yet investigated mm. thoroughly. Yeah, that's one. I, I, it's on my little list of things I'm going to check out further is just exactly what happens in a reorg versus a reindex. So, yeah. yeah. Let me know what you find out uh, if you beat me to it. Mm. Yeah, indeed. And so, listen, I suppose we should uh, summarize then in terms of best practices um, for people when they're using this. So what are the main things you think are the key takeaways in terms of learnings? Uh, just use it. Don't be afraid to experiment. Mm-hmm. You, uh, it is just give it a shot. Uh, experiment with cluster column store at your earliest opportunity. If you're experimenting with non-cluster column store in 2012, consider uh, upgrading to 2014 just to see what I can mm. just to see what I can do. Yep. Um, the best candidates are large fact tables. Large fact tables, of course, and but also be consider looking at your any if you have any large um, uh, dimension tables that mm-hmm. that are getting scanned. So you can check out usage stats. Uh, to, yep. to, to determine that, if you're getting your dimension mm. tables are getting scanned, either they're not indexed properly, or they may be eligible for column store experimentation. Mm. Okay, but 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 yes, classically, it is the large fact table that is uh, is rife is the, is the are the primary candidates for column yeah. store partition. And of course, this this loves memory and this loves CPU. Uh, it does, yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of which, be careful when you build these things. Like any index, uh, you know, you tell column, you tell SQL Server to build a, a column store index. It's going to grab all the CPUs available, there, are, and, and all the all the the memory it it can. Now, gosh, do we have time to go into the resource governor? Probably not. Uh, I guess check out the deck. <laughs> That's all I can say. Indeed. Um, partition switching as a best practice. Again, typically we're talking about warehouse fact tables, so that shouldn't be a big problem. Um, yep. A use bulk insert. Be careful. Be very careful about using ad hoc updates and inserts. Uh, you might mm-hmm. you might populate the tuple mover and end up with with uh, row groups with a bunch of rows in a delta store that impacts yep. query performance significantly. Mm. Cool. And so listen, that's great, Jimmy. So where is there anywhere people will see you or things you've got coming up or or we just watch your blog? Uh, sure, watch the blog, and uh, column store is a keyword, and I will, will be adding to that IP with some discipline over the next few months, and there's already some good stuff mm-hmm. out there, including my deck. Just just Bing, use the Bing, uh, Jimmy May blog, yep. you'll find me. Uh, search for column store, or just type Jimmy May blog column store, and you'll find yeah. you'll find something called the big deck, uh, which is relatively up-to-date, and you'll find a lot of great mm-hmm. information, and it's uh, fairly organized. And it's, it's, there are sections in there available to a wide spectrum of audiences. Yeah. Um, and the, be at the summit this year? I will be at the summit this year. I hope, the summit this year, I hope, the past summit. Yep. I hope to speak. And I mentioned, mm-hmm. I mentioned handstands a moment ago. Uh, big surprise. This is a little sneak peek. I, mm. I did a dry run of comparing row store to column store using, using, uh, myself and my, and a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, used his body as row store lying on a table. And I, <laughs> and I, I did a handstand to represent column store. So I'll be, I'll be practicing for pass. <laughs> I love it. Listen, thank you so very much uh, for your uh, time today, Jimmy. That's awesome. 
Greg, thanks for the invitation. I really appreciate <laughs> it. Take care. All good. Bye-bye.